Hello, and welcome to another episode of Gen Z Frenzy, the podcast that ensures no one's voice gets lost in the frenzy of our supercharged world. Today, I'd like to open with a moment of silence to recognize the numerous losses from unjust acts of violence in the past few weeks, specifically those committed against the Asian and South Pacific American community. If you took that time, I'd just like to thank you for doing so. Alright, a quick disclaimer that the following message may contain some explicit information regarding violence and race. If you have been keeping up with the news, I'm sure you've already heard of the Atlanta, Georgia shooting. In late March, a man went on a shooting rampage at three different spas, killing eight six of whom were women of Asian descent. While it is still not confirmed that there was a racial motivation behind the shooting, the suspect did admit to having a sexual addiction to the employees at these massage parlors, and his act of violence was apparently his way of eliminating these temptations. When I first heard of this, I was dead shock frozen. My brain could not comprehend the audacity. The crime was too horrific. Sadly, this is not a unique moment in American history. Acts of violence fueled by prejudice has always been present in American culture. It's so much easier to pin the blame and use another group that seems so different physically and culturally from you, even in situations when there is no singular person to blame at all. As a person of Asian descent, I realized I stand from a place of privilege. I can openly be myself in this community without being subjected to the stereotypes or discrimination of being Asian. But I realized that there are those who are still subjected to the exoticism and demeaning attitude of others. I struggle to break down my thoughts over this idea and the past tragedies. So I decided to invite a good friend, Tyler, to help me out. we will reference a lot of generalizations about the Asian community and American citizens. They are merely observations and should not be taken as fact. I encourage all who are curious to learn more to do their own research and come to their own conclusions. Both my guests and I are ethnically Chinese, but our understanding is still very limited and cannot claim to represent the Chinese community, let alone the whole Asian community. With that being said, Please enjoy the episode. Hello, it's so nice to talk to you again, Tyler, after your first episode with us. Today, I'd just like to talk to you about um, being an Asian American and the stereotypes that come with having this identity. 
especially in light of the recent tragedies like the many shootings and attacks against Asian Americans and Asians in general in this country. So to start off, um, I know it's a big question and a really heavy one as well, but how are you feeling about all this that's been going on? Yeah, I mean, it's really just mind-boggling how much violence that can happen in such a short amount of time. I think that really the current events expose how deep this issue is and how long it has persisted for. Asian Americans have existed on American soil for hundreds of years at this point. And because of these events, I've been spurred to research about it in my own time. And it's really just terrifying how much discrimination has gone since like the late 1800s. The first anti-immigration laws that were passed to discriminate against a single ethnicity were passed against the Chinese. There were mass lynchings. There was like the 1871 massacre in Los Angeles. Angeles. And it seems like people think that Asian discrimination happened only in relatively recent history, but in reality has existed for a very long time. And it feels really sad that it is only just now that we're starting to see how bad the effects are. Yes, I agree completely. Your mentioning of the lynchings and the anti-immigration laws reminds me a lot of the many, many um, Asian immigrants that lost their lives in building the infamous railroad to the West. Now, I feel like in American history, it's often glorified as this great achievement, but we tend to underscore all the lives that were lost and the credit that weren't given to those workers. I don't want to speak for every single Asian American out there, or for every single Asian culture out there. But for me personally, I felt very guilty of not knowing all of this initially. And in part it was because nobody really talked about it in school, at home. To me, I always had this impression that talking about the discrimination, the stereotypes, any sort of shortcomings of being an Asian in America felt sort of taboo in a way. Why is this so, in your opinion? Uh-huh. So I think one of the first reasons is that it's kind of like cultural. In Asian culture, we are told to obey a discourse. I know in China, like the expectation is to is to do well in your studies, get into a good college, and then find a high-paying job, buy tons of houses so you can get married, and then have children, preferably boys. And at that kind of discourse, it used to be um, people would almost like shame you for not following that kind of discourse because they see you have the capacity to change, but you're not changing yourself for the better. They see what society likes as kind of perfect way to live. And so when we came to America and we wanted to succeed, we fit ourselves into that kind of discourse. We mm -hmm. accepted any kind of exploitation because that was the only way that we could, that we thought we could like climb the ladder. And so what wound up happening is that we work, fit ourselves into the model minority stereotype. Then when we fulfill those descriptions, we nonetheless get ridiculed for them. And I feel like that is, it's a really terrifying cycle. It's a culture problem, but it's propagated on both sides. 
Definitely. I think one's cultural background plays a huge role in a person's life. As you specifically mentioned about the expectations in Chinese culture, a good portion of those beliefs came from a very primitive time where there was this hierarchy of power between the emperor and the peasants, the lowlifes, I guess. I think having a rich history does loads of good for a culture, but it could also sometimes be act as a barrier to that culture's ability to keep up with this insane progress now. In both ideology and technology, you mentioned earlier about the model minority as something Asian Americans often default to. Have you ever personally felt burdened by that title? It's not that I've been directly, like, discriminated against because people thought that um, I should be like a good math student just because I'm Asian. And I'm really privileged to say that because I know that a lot of people have experienced that, you know, you must be a good student because of your race. But for me, it was more like the perception of education. It felt like excelling was the norm, like excelling was the baseline. If you became average, then that was kind of seen as a disappointment instead of something that you're able to contend with. I know in third and fourth grade, I remember I transferred to a different school and I guess that school had a less rigorous curriculum. So I guess I did relatively well in it and people always paid attention to me. I got recognition because of my academic excellence, but everything outside of academics, I never really integrated into. I just became the idea of school. That was like my personality. Um, it was very one dimensional, you know? Yeah, I can relate completely to that feeling that if I don't get a hundred, it's a zero automatically. As ridiculous as it sounds, of course. Honestly, for me, it gets confusing where stereotyping ends and where discrimination starts. And maybe stereotyping can be even more dangerous as it encourages us to buy into them. It exists sometimes without an outside opposing force. Anyway, as discussed earlier, Earlier, it is clear that there's definitely discrimination against Asians, and I'm curious if you felt something change in regards to how you, as an Asian American, have been treated since COVID-19 began. Through COVID, I was forced to like generate my own political opinion, and it like forces you to grow up. At first, I became like really aware and self-conscious about my race. Like I remember I was going to Costco. So this was after everyone was ordered to quarantine. And one guy, he was like standing in the aisle behind us and he basically yelled at everyone, it's all China's fault. And I was shopping with my dad at that point. I did not see a change in expression, but I remember the feeling of wanting to either punch the guy in the face or turn invisible, right? It sets up a dichotomy and it's uh, it's so unwelcoming, you know, as a country that prides itself on diversity. It's sad that behind this, there is a caricature of defining individuals through the news or their attributes. We aren't seen as just humans. We are seen as things that like, carry a virus or must get good grades. 
Yeah, and I remember we were talking before we started this recording about how politicians actually use this dichotomy, as you speak, to kind of pit people against each other, win a voter's base. Very effective campaigning method, though it is quite detrimental to the unity and the peace of society, in my opinion, at least. Um, Changing the topic to a more, maybe, less negative topic. I'm curious to hear, as an Asian American yourself, how you feel about having this identity. Do you have any pride in it? Do you have any qualms with it? I really do feel thankful that I'm a part of this community. You know, the Asian community is extremely tight-knit. I know all of our parents know each other through like WeChat groups. And all the students form a very tight bond with each other. Asian people always try to take care of each other, which I feel like is really nice. And there's just a very strong sense of solidarity. And then I feel like people think that Asian parents are just like super strict. They can't really form a humanizing image of them because the media portrays Asian parents as just like tiger moms. You know, it's very Mm -hmm. one-sided. But what I really appreciate is they truly love and support their children. They pour everything into their future. Even if some of their ideas might be flawed, they are willing to do anything for you. You know, I read this Twitter post and this woman was basically describing all the advantages of living in an Asian household. And a lot of the advantages revolved around food and how parents would try to express their love with food, you know, apologizing with fruit and giving like the best parts of a dish to their children. And also other forms of appreciation, like driving across the country just to drop someone off to university. And I feel like that sort of hair really shows the humane side of the Asian community. And I feel like it's something that isn't emphasized enough inside the current stereotype of Asian Americans. It's also really important to have a second perspective in life. If I weren't exposed to this environment where sometimes I do disagree and sometimes the like concepts collide with the dominant American discourse, I wouldn't be able to have like any raw experiences to morph my opinions into something more mature. It really helped my empathy because like I said, my parents say things and they really do mean the best and they are conscientious. They are full grown people, but still I do disagree with them on some point, obviously. After realizing how fundamental our divide, like our cultural understandings are. It taught me how influential the majority opinion and the environment have on one's like critical thinking process and one's assumptions of what is considered correct or moral. Yeah, it definitely does make me stop and think about what people are telling me instead of just taking things at face value and just accepting it because oh that's just what other people tell me is the truth so that's got to be the truth right i think this is a way to practice your ability to exercise critical thinking which i think is something essential that everyone needs to learn Mm -hmm. yeah i think it really does expose 
kind of like the logical contradictions in each discourse, it kind of reinforced my belief that sometimes we say that things are correct not because um, they are logically correct with other things that we said are true, but just because we want to believe that they are because it would help our position. And so trying to reflect on that and trying to give people slack when they also do that, that is a very important life skill. I think what you were talking about there is confirmation bias, right? It's it, it definitely is something we all have to face at some point because it is absolutely inherent to just being human, which is why I think your point in emphasizing the importance of reflecting on your own biases as much as you can, but perhaps even more importantly, giving other people slack because that will definitely help make our world a much more compassionate, much more empathetic and peaceful place. I think in talking about it as a skill, it definitely is something that many adults lack. So when did you first realize that this was a problem that you wanted to address in your own personal life? When I was little, I started Chinese school. In Chinese school, obviously they teach you Chinese, but then through the curriculum, they also teach you pieces of Chinese culture. And I remember in um, start probably starting in like fifth grade, sixth grade, I started getting really interested into it. Not because I like agreed with everything about China, but just because I was good at Chinese, I think that um, that kind of like motivation um, helped me explore like a different culture. And I also kind of realized Asian culture is extremely different than the American discourse. What China values, what China pushes out in its own political agenda, it makes me realize how small the bubble of totality of what Americans think is compared to like how much there is to think. And I think that there isn't that sort of like realization that all people have something to share and then we have to change it. And it's the people that have to initiate that because people that are in the discourse will obviously not want to change that. So yeah, that's kind of like my spiel on everything. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining me. I could probably go on talking with you for ages, but that's about all the time we have for today. And once again, thank you so much for joining me today and talking about this topic. Yeah, thank you for having me. We open today with a terrible shooting in Georgia and conclude with what I hope is a much more hopeful tone. The path to a more tolerant and accepting society seems endless, but it is still one we must endeavor to complete. A huge step is speaking up and raising awareness. Recently, there has been a huge surge of support for the Asian community thanks to those brave enough to share their stories. This isn't just applicable to Asian hate crimes, but to any against the African-American, indigenous, LGBTQ+, and more. Even if you don't identify as the group being targeted, you can always be an ally. I know it takes effort, courage, and a big heart to do so, but making the world better for them makes the world better for you. As always, all resources used will be in the description and links to learn more about the Stop Asian Hate Movement will also be there. Thank you for listening as always, and look forward to future episodes.